My name is Stephanie Purseller. I'm the Sustainability Manager here at Moraine Valley Community College. And I am excited to introduce to you our event for today, Energy for a Sustainable Future. Prior to introducing our speaker, I just want to remind you that we do have a Center for Sustainability here on campus. It is located directly behind you in L242 in the library. We host the Go Green Club. Uh, they do a lot of amazing things on campus, so if you are interested in getting active in a club that is focused on sustainability, please join us. You'll have professors that talk to you about sustainability and want you to do projects on sustainability. And if you need help with that research, this is a resource to you. If the door is open, I am available. If the door is closed, then you can email me um, at presellers at moraineValley.edu or sustainability at moraineValley.edu. So please reach out. Uh, without further ado, however, um, I would like to introduce to you Dr. Jin Hojo, who is an associate professor of technology at Illinois State University. He teaches in the Renewable Energy Program. He is the associate director of the Center for Renewable Energy and also leads the Solar Research Group. His research has been widely published, focuses on the use of renewable energy systems and sustainable building strategies to reduce negative impacts of urbanization. In his, uh, excuse me, in his 2010 PhD, Arizona State University was the nation's first in sustainability. Since 2010, eight years later, we've had, or 18 years later, however many years later, we've had, <laughs> <laughs> we've had a lot of other uh, universities and colleges and community colleges developing programs in sustainability and sustainable technology. So if you are also interested in that, please come speak with me and I can help point you in the right direction. Our counselors can also help you with that as well. Uh, but it's really exciting to have one of our first in the nation to be presenting to us today on energy for a sustainable future. So please uh, welcome Dr. Joe. Good afternoon, everyone. Uh, I'm very thrilled to uh, give my talk for you uh, today. Um, it is an uh, exciting time to see um, a lot of uh, sustainable energy-related uh, initiatives uh, popping up um, around the world, not just the U.S. And um, it is actually exciting time to uh, take a look at uh, uh, more of the kind of opportunities like that you could find, and then um, uh, maybe uh, you could apply uh, your background and then uh, to uh, contribute toward the kind of you know more sustainable uh, energy systems in the future. So, like the title says, uh, I'm going to give you more of the kind of the general idea about uh, uh, sustainable energy future. So, before we even uh, begin to talk about some of the um, you know options uh, or like the, the ways like that we're going to make our uh, energy system more sustainable I'd like to uh, discuss more about sustainability first so we talk about sustainability or maybe uh, you will see a TV commercial like the, you know like the these days they talk about like the, oh sustainability uh, which is very important and, and so on. And then uh, oftentimes, uh, sustainability term could be uh, misused or overused uh, without like the touching upon the, you know, uh, the critical concept like the behind it. Uh, could anybody tell me uh, what sustainability is? Ethan? All right, yeah, that's, uh, that's great. So we actually uh, want to address not only the, kind of the environmental aspect, like that we want to touch upon, environmental aspect, social aspect, and what was the last one? Economic aspect. So by just taking a look at the, kind of, you know, definition of sustainability, it is the patterns of economic, environmental, and social progress that meet the needs of the present day without reducing the capacity to meet future needs. 
So uh, as you highlighted, uh, I would uh, point out economic, environmental, and social aspect of it. But another thing, we are going to try to meet the needs of the present, uh, present day. That's us. But at the same time, we are going to do that without reducing the capacity to meet future needs. That's our children's generation, right? So sustainable energy, if we relate this to a sustainability concept, then something like the patterns of energy production and consumption. Energy production is the way we produce energy. And then the consumption is the end part. So beginning part, input and output, and then the how we consume uh, those energy generated. That could support society's present and future needs. The same thing, society's present need right now and then the future needs for our future generation with least life cycle economic, environmental, and social costs. So we want to deliver them as efficiently as possible. All right, so I want to point out some of the most critical sustainability issues we're faced with. What are the sustainability issues uh, you could think of? Something happening around the world. Anybody? Right, dependency on oil, so the resource, uh, limited resources uh, we have. Climate change. Climate change, yeah, great answer again, <laughs> right? Water usage, right? So even the, the quantity of fresh water and then the quality of fresh water, right? Both uh, quantity and quantity, uh, quality. So I could point out uh, some of the problems we're faced with starting population, so world population is growing rapidly, and democracy, education, disease, terrorism and war, poverty, environment, food, water. What would be the number one sustainability issue defined by Mr. Smalley? Fuel, right. So fuel in general is energy. So we are seeing energy problem, right? It makes sense. Why? Energy source, abundant, available, affordable, clean, efficient, and secure energy would enable the resolution of all the other problems. So in one way or another, they're going to support other things to make uh, make other things toward the account of, you know, achieving sustainability. All right, some things we are running short of. Biodiversity, fresh water, oil, fish, forests. Some things that are increasing consumption of stuff. We consume more and more. Yeah, and then uh, I took a look at my closet uh, the, the other day, and then uh, I was like, oh man, I, I have a lot of stuff that I don't even use. It's like the time to uh, you know clean out, right? So that's uh, that's us really um, you know acquisition of like the, you know stuff more and more, and uh, inequality population and farmland. So farmland like the increasing farmland could mean the loss of vegetation. All right, U.S. consumption by source. What was the primary energy source in the U.S. in the year of 1800, 1900, 2000? 1800, anybody? Coal. Coal. Wood. Wood. Right, yeah. I guess uh, all three answers were up. So if we take a look at the graph published by EIA, Energy Information Administration, uh, 1800, It'd be wood, and then uh, 1900 would be coal somewhere around here, and 2000, like you know, thereafter, 
even after uh, 1943 time frame, 1950, like all the way petroleum. So we are living on like the petroleum-based uh, you know, energy system. And then now what other energy uh, sources we are seeing? Petroleum, natural gas, what is this? Coal and nuclear and other renewable sources and so on. So mostly petrol. Big three would be petroleum, natural gas, coal. All right, not everyone has access to electricity. What? What are you talking about? We have electricity. Have you experienced, when was the last time you had uh, the blackout or brownout? Oh, really? Yeah, so uh, what was the, kind of like the, you know, the duration of that blackout? Probably an hour at least. Well, yeah, I mean, one hour. Like the, you could survive without like, the electricity for one hour. We're talking like the no electricity at all. But how many people around the world wouldn't uh, have uh, electricity? How many, would? how many people oh. would not have uh, electricity? Millions. 10 million? Over a billion. Yeah, it's 1.1 billion people around the world not having electricity access. So that's 14% of the global population. It's amazing, right? Like we're thinking, like, wow, like we have electricity, even good one. And we're talking 14% of global population not having electricity at all, but other 86% of people having good quality electricity? Probably not. Maybe some electricity, but sometimes a lot of countries, developing countries or African countries, even if they have an access to electricity, oftentimes you're going to be faced with the quality of the supply. So sometimes like the electricity goes out, like the you know, blackout sometimes and then uh, it's going to happen, or you're subject to the kind of quality, not good quality of the, kind of the electrical supply. And then uh, this is about in uh, one in five people, mostly in sub-Saharan Africa and then developing Asia. So how would your life be different without electricity? Okay, imagine, oh yeah, that's right. That's very critical, right. Uh, back in, 20, uh, 2000, I'd say, 2001 or 2002, I think I like the, you know, one of those years. Uh, my sister uh, lived, uh, lived in New York and then I was in Indiana. Um, and then uh, I gave a call to my sister. Uh, how are you doing? And then, uh, oh, electricity is out. So that's when the, um, uh, transmission line, uh, the eastern coast, like the got hit by the uh, kind of you know lightning or something like that, and then uh, impacted the kind of you know uh, millions of people, like the not having electricity for uh, half day, I think. And then uh, my sister was like, "Okay, I gotta like you know eat like the you know all the ice cream like the, you know in the freezer because like the, it is not going to uh, uh, like the keeping the the temperature at all." So if we do not have an access to electricity, then uh, that will directly impact your life immediately. All right, energy use has environmental impacts and consequences. So it is important for society to minimize waste and maximize efficiency. I'd like to take a look at different sectors, like briefly what we are consuming and uh, what we were faced with. So first of all, transportation. Uh, it's about uh, you know, close to 30% of uh, total uh, energy consumption. And gas uh, consumption represent 46% of total petroleum consumption in the US. And 19 million barrels of oil consumed per day. 19 million barrels. It's a lot of oil consumed, right? And then, we about, um, you know, we drive about uh, 14,000 miles per year, you know, average licensed driver. And USA is a large country, nearly uh, 3,000 miles coast to coast, and then uh, 2,000 miles north to uh, south. Have you ever done, uh, you know, 
road trip from uh, east to west, west to east. I've done once, actually, yeah. When I um, um, had to move from New York to Arizona for my uh, doctorate degree, and then uh, I was on a road trip from uh, New York to uh, Arizona, and then uh, I actually dropped off my stuff, and then uh, I visited my friend in uh, San Diego. So I guess uh, that makes the kind of thing, you know, road trip from uh, uh, far east to uh, you know, the west. So uh, people connections are uh, primarily uh, accomplished through uh, the use of automobiles and airplanes. And freight is moved uh, through waterways, railroads, trucks, and airplanes. And if you take a look at the kind of the order of uh, efficiency, railroads is number one, and vessels, and trucks, airplanes, and so on. But we do not choose the means to the transportation through uh, you know, considering efficiency only because we want to get to uh, uh, some place much quicker. Yeah? So it's, um, you know, time is valuable. So sometimes like that you have to factor that into the consideration. Residential sector, over 120 million residences in the U.S. More than 20 quadrillion BQs are consumed in residential structure. And if you pay attention to this pie chart, I find it uh, very interesting. Uh, electricity retail sales about 23%. Uh, that means we use electricity and uh, natural gas for heating, petroleum, renewables, and so on. But this big chunk over here, what does it say? Electrical system energy losses. So we're going to lose that much amount through transmission line, through uh, kind of like the, you know, not very efficient, um, you know, heating system at home, HVAC system, and then uh, infiltration at uh, the residence. Okay, so if we double the efficiency of our homes, would save almost as much electricity as produced by all U.S. nuclear reactors. That's amazing, right? So we are consuming a lot of energy, but considering the account that, you know, losses are like, you know, close to the account, you know, 50%. And then if we achieve the account of efficiency, then we may want, uh, we could probably uh, promote, um, you know, reducing the account of our generation uh, sources, such as nuclear reactors. How do we do it? Maybe we could start from no cost, low cost changes, thermostat settings. If you don't use it, then uh, you could uh, turn off things. And then uh, lighting retrofits, such as CFL, uh, LED lights. I took a look at the, kind of the lighting system over here. It's a CFL. And then uh, some other uh, light bulbs were uh, LED, LED lightings. And then uh, phantom loads. Could I, anybody tell me what uh, phantom loads? It's when you do something plugged into the uh, valve. Right. Vampire power, right? So even if you don't use it, then like that they're going to consume certain amount of electricity, and then that actually uh, is significant amount. And then uh, intermediate changes you could do energy efficient uh, appliances, and then uh, you could uh, consider adding uh, attic insulation to it. And then uh, more capital intensive upgrades, new windows and doors more energy efficient one, and uh, new HVAC systems. Even you could consider energy production through uh, solar, hot water, and photovoltaic systems. And then the commercial sector, more than 18.2 uh, quadrillion BTUs are used. And then uh, commercial buildings include offices, retail stores, restaurants, and schools and universities. And the same situation, we're actually losing more than 50% of our consumption through uh, losses. Typical areas of energy consumption at the commercial building uh, scale, heating, air conditioning, lighting, plug loads, and appliances, as you could uh, imagine. The commercial sector of the U.S. consumes about 36% of all electricity production and 18.7% of all energy. And then 75% uh, of commercial electricity used for HVAC system, AC system like the you have operate. Uh, and then uh, lighting and then uh, computers, electronics.
Some things you could uh, do is, like the, you may upgrade um, uh, AC units, like the you know, newer uh, AC units are 40% more efficient. And then uh, photovoltaic solar array on roof, such as uh, you know, like the commercial scale uh, photovoltaic systems. So photovoltaic systems like the, could generate electricity directly. And then uh, uh, oftentimes, like the, you could uh, use whatever generated from the rooftop directly. And then uh, if you have any uh, surplus, surplus generation, then you could actually sell them back to the grid. So you get compensated for the amount you generate more than what you need. So that's through a power purchase agreement. Whatever you generate, then utility company agrees to buy um, from you. And then the SREC is a state renewable energy credit. In Illinois, there's a SREC available. And then uh, whatever you generate from uh, your own uh, power plant on top of your rooftop, then you could actually get uh, the credits. And federal tax credits available, and then other incentives also available. And then the lighting retrofits, and then oftentimes you will find a T12, like the outdated um, uh, fluorescent uh, light bulb. So you could uh, consider upgrading it to uh, CFLs or uh, LED lights. And then the overhang, overhang is the kind of building structure, building design. Uh, where you're going to uh, block the uh, kind of you know uh, direct uh, sunlight coming through the kind of building, which will increase your uh, AC loads. And then uh, daylighting reduces electric uh, electric lighting usage, such as like uh, something like this. Uh, this is the uh, kind of the local church uh, in the town I live, and then uh, they have like the skylight. And then uh, this is the uh, kind of the Denver uh, International Airport where they uh, implemented the uh, uh, movable, like the sky canopy. So you could uh, open it up whenever you need the daylighting and then uh, they could uh, close that down. And then uh, this is the uh, kind of the more of the uh, skylights, like the light wells, like the where you could implement the uh, kind of, the, you know, uh, reflected the kind of the lighting coming into the uh, internal space. All right, industrial sector, more than uh, 31 quadrillion BTUs are consumed in the sector. And then uh, if you take a look at it, 30%, uh, uh, more than 30% natural gas. Um, and then uh, electrical system energy loss, 20%. And then 26.8% uh, of petroleum uh, consumed. And then a uh, little bit of uh, renewables over there too. All right, primary materials are a uh, big part of industrial process, right? Glass, paper, concrete, building materials, steel, other metals, and then fossil fuel processing. If you take a closer look at the uh, industrial sector consumption, you will find uh, petroleum refining, 28%, uh, chemical processing, 29%, and paper, and metal, and so on. So industrial processes typically require invention and significant uh, capital to become more efficient. It's like replacing your AC and your windows only on a grand scale. So I am going to actually take a look at it like the backwards. Why not, uh, why don't we reduce the account, you know, like the consumption from the account the other end, like the reducing the account, you know, uh, primary materials and at the same time reduce uh, consumption of these materials through enhanced recycling efforts. So I want to point out some of the concerns based upon the energy availability. So like I mentioned, uh, world export market for oil is shrinking and coal is getting more expensive and it's the dirtiest fuel, right? And then the older power plants are shutting down because of more stringent uh, EPA uh, regulation recently uh, issued. So apparently uh, you could repurpose or like to reuse the kind of, you know, retiring uh, the coal power plants. And then uh, the problem though is you're actually regulated to make the, kind of the existing coal power plant much more cleaner. So that meaning like the, you're going to spend like the more money to repurpose it and like the, you reuse it. And then uh, 
utility companies will consider uh, different options out there. So they would do uh, cost-benefit analysis uh, so they could determine whether they're going to repurpose the Akanto core power plant or they may decide to go to alternative options. But that we are seeing oftentimes utility companies go on a different route than the Akanto repurposing it. So it's a good sign. Uh, natural gas will not cover increased demand for transportation and electricity, even with fracking. Uh, what about the environment? Oftentimes, we do not consider uh, environmental costs, right? So that's missing from the account of our current, uh, you know, cost-benefit uh, analysis. And use uh, consumption of oil, uh, oftentimes feedstocks for uh, plastics, paints, pharmaceuticals fertilizers, electronic components, tires, and more critical problem, every one joule of food consumed in the U.S., 10 joules of fossil fuel energy to produce. So it's kind of sad. Like we are very inefficient in terms of like, you know, sustaining our system right now. And other risks, rust, most of the infrastructure we're having, is built of steel and beyond original design life. So high percentage of uninspectable until leaks occur. So tricky situation. And then I need to rebuild 80% of current infrastructure. So whatever happens, like we have to deal with them. And maturity of workforce in the industry, high percentage of global energy workforce is too old and retiring. And then the younger generations wouldn't go to the sector like the, they will find the kind of thing, you know, uh, alternative technology and then uh, other like the emerging technology, uh, technological fields. Peak oil, probably you heard about it, like you know, more than once. The point in time when the global production of oil reaches its maximum rate, after which production will gradually decline. But that does not necessarily mean we're running out of oil. But it does mean the end of cheap oil. We experience the problem multiple times. So if you have shortage of like the 10 to 15 percent, you're going to see the, the oil, uh, the gas price triple or quadruple oftentimes. And oil companies have reached the easier to reach cheap oil first. And then if it takes the energy of one uh, barrel of oil to extract a barrel of oil, then further extraction is pointless. Like, what are you going to do? You're going to spend more energy and money to, for uh, what you're getting. And you're going to have subsequent impact on uh, US, US lifestyle. But mo currently, majority of Americans live in suburbs. I guess that that's how, we, uh, how all the, the suburban communities are designed and designed around personal automobile, uh, automobile use. And over 90% of transportation in the U.S. relies on oil, although we're seeing the kind of alternative options, hybrid cars, electric cars out there. So subsequent impact based upon U.S. lifestyle, it will leave many Americans unable to afford fuel and forced to use bicycles or electric cars and telecommuting, like to getting more popular and move to more rural areas. Next time I deliver my lecture, maybe like we could do it like the remotely, right? From my office, I could give you a lecture and then uh, maybe like we could uh, screen it uh, yeah, here. Uh, impact on uh, US lifestyle, cost of food, heating and electricity, and then uh, inevitable stress for low income, uh, low middle income families. All right. Uh, I am not going to uh, introduce like all of the, uh, the you know, renewable energy sources, uh, but I want to highlight some of the, uh, the renewable options such as wind, solar, and then uh, other renewable options, hydroelectricity, more of the uh, you know, traditional renewable source, and biomass, and then uh, geothermal. So wind energy, it could be uh, co-located on uh, working farms and uh, ranches, and then uh, royal payments are revitalizing small farming communities throughout uh, the U.S. Uh, Illinois is a good example. Actually, uh, the farmers, ranchers, like to get paid the, uh, uh, by hosting 
like a wind turbine. Uh, I believe, uh, as far as I know, uh, the farmers get paid about uh, four to five thousand uh, dollars a year by hosting like a one wind turbine uh, at their site, and then they could still do their own uh, activity, such as farming and then other like activities. And then uh, one of the fastest growing providers of electricity worldwide. And uh, you can see this is the, um, like the US total installed wind electricity capacity and generation. Uh, the number on the, the left-hand side, megawatt, represent like the how many wind turbines we installed. And then right-hand side, how much electricity we could uh, generate based upon what we have installed. So we are at uh, close to uh, 90,000 megawatts, and then we're generating 240,000 uh, uh, gigawatt hours of electricity. And um, uh, states uh, leading wind electricity development, uh, number one, uh, Texas, is a cumulative capacity, and then uh, uh, annual capacity additions as well. So number one uh, being Texas. And then uh, Illinois used to be a uh, number four, but uh, you know now it's a sixth uh, on the chart. So we have cumulative uh, capacity of 4,000 megawatts. And then uh, in terms of annual capacity additions, it's uh, ninth. So still in the uh, kind of, you know top ten, uh, uh, top ten criteria. All right, how about solar? It's the second fastest growing energy sector in the U.S. And then a rapidly approaching grid battery means um, if you compare the, the generation cost, like the, it's going toward the you know, competitive level. So uh, whenever we consider the generation, uh, generation cost, then, then uh, uh, oftentimes we compare that to uh, conventional uh, generation uh, the plants, such as coal, nuclear, and uh, other things, natural gas power plants, and so on. But uh, even with that, uh, we're going to, we're seeing actually uh, wind being, uh, you know, very competitive in terms of generation cost. And then uh, solar is getting there. And uh, major market sectors, including photovoltaic, PV system, and then uh, con uh, concentrated solar and solar thermal system. And uh, the biggest solar market in terms of PV, uh, we have about, uh, 45,000 megawatt installed so far, and then uh, we're generating about 65,000 gigawatt hours of electricity. All right, uh, this actually gives you a better idea. Actually, I saw uh, uh, right that side, um, you know, solar thermal system installed, right? Yeah, I, I don't know how big the system is, but uh, you know, something like this. They look pretty much the same, but you see the kind of, you know, like the smaller segments in the PV system, they are solar cells. So this is solar thermal system, this is solar PV system. So solar thermal system, you're going to use it to heat the water and then living spaces. And then this is more of the kind of mature technology. And then it's been there for quite a while. And higher shade tolerance and heat is all about surface area. So if you have bigger surface area, you could heat up like the you know greater amount of water and works with water heater so you don't have to completely renovate the account uh, system you're going to uh, put the system in conjunction with the, uh, the existing uh, the water tank water heater system and this system over here produces electricity directly so electricity so this is more of the account uh, evolving technology and Credit for excess power, like I mentioned, like the, if you generate more than what you need, you're going to get compensated from your utility company, depending on uh, which utility company you're in. And uh, store power in batteries, but a more expensive option. And then uh, ties easily into house. And uh, this is a ground mount, uh, mounting system for large scale PV. I believe this is the project uh, uh, in California, but uh, there are a number of uh, utility scale PV sites uh, in Illinois. A uh, good example is uh, City Solar Site 
uh, in uh, West Pullman uh, neighborhood um, near Chicago. Uh, they installed about uh, 10 megawatt, uh, 10 megawatt solar. Uh, it's pretty big system, and then uh, one of the biggest um, uh, urban urban site, uh, the solar system. And then uh, another one is in uh, Streeter, Illinois, which is about uh, 17, 20 megawatts. And uh, Rockford Airport, like the recently installed uh, about uh, 10 megawatt system. And then the uh, University of Illinois actually installed about uh, five, six megawatt system. It's a pretty good size. And then uh, they consume electricity generated from their own sites and uh, delivered to uh, the university right away. And then uh, Illinois State University is currently uh, looking at the possibility of uh, adopting uh, the, you know, solar technology at uh, the ISU farm right now. All right, so to get to the point, um, we have an energy problem based upon what we have um, you know, observed so far. So simply put, it has three components, oil and carbon, and finally global demand growth. So oil, 40% of our energy uh, coming from uh, petroleum, and reserves are concentrated in the volatile Middle East, and the date when global oil production will peak looms closer. Actually, a lot of people say it's already passed a long time ago. Uh, carbon. Uh, global climate change is upon us. And then now uh, we are seeing a lot of, uh, you know, evidences uh, for global climate change. And we are still 80% dependent upon carbon-emitting fossil fuels and demand growth. The developing world needs energy. Good example would be uh, China and Indonesia. China, for example, the energy consumption is doubling every nine years. So what? But if you look at the number, in nine years, you're going to double the energy consumption. That's kind of scary. Like, are we able to keep up with the energy consumption, growing energy consumption? I don't know. I doubt. Solutions? We could improve efficiency of energy consumption to reduce demand growth. We could replace oil with other renewable sources. We could increase carbon-free energy sources. And we could also think about how to reduce fossil fuel use and or sequester carbon emissions. How do we do that? We could implement sustainable energy technologies and promote consumer and community choice for efficiency, conservation, and non-carbon energy. And also, we could propose public policies to advance sustainable energy technologies and enhance consumer and community choice. So we could focus on three different sectors. Buildings, it's half of our energy consumption today and greater potential we could find from the building sector. And 40% of carbon emissions coming from building sector. So it's problematic area, but we could find greater potential too reduce energy consumption. Transportation, one-third of our energy consumption today, but two-thirds of our oil use, and then 32% uh, of car, uh, carbon emission. Electricity, we need them, but 40% of energy and growing more and more, and 52% from coal, 20% nuclear, 16% gas, and 12% renewables, and so on and it is responsible for 39% of carbon emissions today. Okay, so how do we achieve or how do we uh, go about uh, taking sustainable energy pathways? So use fossil fuels in a more clean manner and enhance energy efficiency and conserve energy. And we could also improve supply side efficiency. So more of the, kind of the generation side rather than uh, uh, consumption side. And we could also switch to renewable energy sources and structural changes in power generation and manufacturing and changes in lifestyle. And other things we could do, we could improve match between load requirements and energy source and improve revised design and costing methods.
Good example is life cycle analysis and uh, embodied energy consideration. And then uh, levelized cost of energy. Oftentimes, it's fairly tough to compare one generation source to another. For example, solar versus coal power plant, wind versus nuclear power plant. But we're going to consider the, the life cycle of the generating uh, plant and then coming up with the, the generation cost. For example, uh, a dollar amount needed per kilowatt hours of kilowatt hour of electricity generated from the plant. So now we can compare things together and cost of global warming, which is uh, which is through uh, which could be done through a carbon tax system, and we could also think about like the how to remove hidden costs and conventional energy sources. So to sum it up. Um, we're going to try achieve uh, energy conservation, fuel substitution, and use of unconventional oil and uh, renewable energy sources. And um, you know, thinking about uh, how to change our lifestyle based upon the you know, uh, problems we're faced with. I hope uh, that gave you a greater overview of the you know, system, energy system, like we're faced with, and then uh, some of the mitigation strategies, potential renewal, uh, mitigation strategies you could choose from. So I hope uh, you, know, you find uh, things uh, I presented useful, and then uh, maybe um, provided uh, some uh, food for thoughts you know, for further investigation. All right, thank you. Thank you so much. That was great. Uh, are there any questions? Yes. Sure. Good question. Yeah. Uh, I I know I know exactly how much it would cost. Right. Yeah. So. Uh, my friend actually uh, installed a solar system uh, a few weeks ago. And um, uh, through the company who hired uh, our, uh, you know, graduates, yeah, from our program, um, he installed a five kilowatt system. Uh, five kilowatt system, like the, maybe like the you don't get the kind of you know size of the system, but uh, uh, five kilowatt system, uh, you are going to see, let's say, uh, 300 uh, watt panels, and then uh, maybe like the 16, 17, uh, the you know PV panels, right? And then uh, if you install five kilowatt system, uh, my friend's house, maybe like the typical three, four bedroom house, like the you know single family house, and then uh, it will produce about like the 60, 70 percent of like the electrical uh, consumption. Uh, needed at the at the house, so it's very typical to design the system to meet like the you know 60 70 percent of uh, uh, electrical offset in mind, but uh, the total cost installation cost came out um, uh, around fifteen thousand dollars. Fifteen thousand dollars was not cheap, but uh, with uh, SREC and then uh, incentives. And then uh, tax credit, he was able to uh, get. Um, eventually, he's going to pay uh, about like the six thousand dollars. So it's more so like the, you know affordable. And then uh, the payback period of the system would be like you know around five six years. So as long as you keep it like the five six years, and then uh, after then, what's going to happen? You're making money from the system. Yeah. yeah, whatever you generate, it'll be like the pure profit, right? Yeah. It's an exciting opportunity to uh, have solar system in Illinois right now. That's why we're seeing more and more solar developers and installers in the in the state. There is a reason, yeah, behind it. Yeah, of course. Like the, you have uh, the local local. Uh, Right, right, right. So the question was like, the, you know, uh, uh, we have uh, if uh, we have to go through a, a permitting approval process. Yeah, yes, we have to go through a, a permit and an approval process through a local jurisdiction. So if you have the system, like the, it has to be installed by the you know professional installers, 
and uh, it has to go through uh, utilities approval and uh, local. Uh, it has to meet the kind of you know uh, build, local building codes and uh, everything. But it used to be a problem because like the, you know renewable energy systems are something new, uh, and then uh, uh, utility companies and then uh, um, uh, governmental entities like were not able to find out. Uh, how to uh, approve them, and then uh, what are the kind of you know permitting process and so. But uh, now uh, it's getting more popular, and then uh, a lot of the kind of the local governments like the, you know do know uh, how to handle uh, like the renewable energy systems, and then uh, they provide uh, op uh, appropriate uh, you know information regarding like the, your system. But if you uh, have like the you know solar developer or installer, like that they will take care of like the, all the processes. Yeah. Who's that? Uh, yeah, uh, that's a good question. Uh, the question was like the, if uh, wind would be a viable source for uh, you know individual homeowner. Um, it depends, but uh, smaller scale, uh, like the residential, commercial scale, like the, you know smaller wind turbines uh, are known to be uh, not very economically viable at the moment. Uh, because uh, sometimes, like the, it'll be uh, hard to find the kind of you know uh, good location to install your wind turbine, because like the wind turbine has to be installed like at a certain height. But uh, oftentimes you're going to face with the kind of you know zoning regulation, local like you know uh, zoning regulation, where you're not going to be permitted to uh, install like the you know a 20 meter tower, yeah, at the uh, uh, at the at the site. But in terms of like the utility scale wind, like the, now we're at the uh, point like the very um, uh, recognizable as a kind of you know grid parity. That means like the you are uh, economically viable, uh, competing with the other uh, generating sources. What was that? Do you think like the cat, like the wind and cattle industry is one of the industries that are taking up a lot of our energy? Um, I mean, I, I I hear a lot about the kind of problems created by the kind of resources, but uh, you know, in terms of energy, it's more of like a greater resource problem. And then um, I uh, read on uh, the news article regarding like the how China is changing like the their um, you know, culture, like the consuming, like the more beef, like the, they used to consume more, uh, like the chicken and pork. Now they they shifted like the, their patterns, like the, you know, toward consuming like the more beef. Actually, like the, you know, that uh, changed the kind of the, the way they grow things, and then uh, consuming the kind of the, you know subsequent uh, energy. So that could possibly have the kind of negative impact on the kind of how we consume energy. Yeah, because uh, you know, to grow or to raise uh, the um, you know cows, uh, more cows, then then like the, we're going to spend like the more resource toward that uh, part of it. Yeah. So it's important to look at all of these different industries, including agriculture. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Because yeah. like the, you know, we're talking the kind of you know uh, interwined, like the interconnected, like the industries, like the you know. Uh, that's why I emphasize to look at the kind of energy system as a whole, and then uh, as a kind of like the, you know, uh, kind of like the closed loop system, which is the kind of the, you know one factor would have the kind of subsequent uh, impact on the other things. Yeah. So we oftentimes I incorporate uh, system uh, system thinking process. Yeah. That's a great process too endorse because uh, if you don't know about systems thinking, check out Peter Senge and then start from there and keep going because it's a great way to apply all things sustainability and um, solutions solutions for world problems. Okay. So. Any other questions? Yes, ma'am. Many of us, well, I don't know many of us, I'm not a homeowner, you know, I live with my mom and dad. What are some things that we can do to help energy sustainability when we can't, you know, we don't own a home or. Oh yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, the, there is a way uh, you could contribute to. 
uh, maybe yeah, the energy conservation is one thing like that you could do. And then uh, if you want to, uh, you know, purchase uh, the electricity from solar or wind, uh, there is a program. Utility, a lot of utilities uh, provide the kind of you know clean energy program where you're going to contribute uh, some of the the electrical bill portion for the kind of supporting like the clean energy. So even if like the, you don't generate your own, like the, maybe like the, you could um, like, you know, uh, hop onto the kind of program where you could contribute to uh, uh, alternative energy uh, generation. So the money you contribute could be used toward the kind of, you know, promoting like the more renewable systems. Also, there's a program called uh, community solar. So you don't have to own the system uh, on top of your rooftop, maybe like the, you know, there is a, like a big site and then a couple of panels could be uh, assigned toward you and then uh, whatever generated from your portion will be compensated toward uh, your utility bill or you get compensated uh, directly as a dollar amount you generate. Yeah, Community Solar is a new pro newer program to Illinois and um, a lot of municipalities are signing on and a lot of other institutions that have land that can host solar panels and then the you work with the contractor to then get subscribers so you're paying for it is a line from the solar panel going directly into your house no but you're supporting that and that energy is going back to the grid and taking the other energy off the grid so mm -hmm. so you're still buying that renewable energy so even mm -hmm. if you can't afford to put the six thousand dollar after mm -hmm. incentives on your house you can still buy into that and the rates are less than mm -hmm. what you would be paying for traditional energy mm -hmm. so that's mm -hmm. that's what you're talking about and then uh, another thing like you know something related to that uh, it's a new concept called the virtual net mirroring so you have like the you know one side and then uh, another like the let's say like that you have two different sites and then uh, if you generate from uh, generate electricity uh, electricity from one side by installing solar or wind and then uh, that could be uh, use or like the, to offset like the, your uh, other side like the electricity consumption. So it's very popular in New York and uh, uh, other states. Uh, right now, uh, I'm not sure if uh, it's already passed in Illinois, but uh, you know it's getting more popular to allow them to be flexible in terms of uh, incorporating renewables into their system. Yeah, I don't think that's passed yet, um, but it is part of the legislative yeah. cons mm -hmm. conversation. And so to, uh, to piggyback on that, the last thing I would add, I would say to you is that if you're not a homeowner and you don't feel like you have quite the voice because you're not paying those property taxes, you still have a voice when you go on November 6th, right? And every other day we have that opportunity. Mm -hmm. so. Any other questions? Great. Well, thank you so much for your time today. We really appreciate it. This was extremely informative. Uh, we hope everybody got something out of it. We have um, uh, Dr. Jin's uh, cards up here and brochures for his program. Again, if you have other questions about sustainability or careers or programs, whatever, I can help you. The librarians can help you research that. Um, keep, keep us in mind as a resource. And uh, thank you so much for your time. Thank you. Thank you.